This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. This kick can Salah off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello, it's Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan, and uh, our three pundits today are Gogolin. Hello, everyone. Uh, Des Corkill. Split personality this weekend for me. I'm delighted and devastated in the same same vein. Yeah, and Bob Holmes. Uh, hi, everybody. A uh, little bit the same. Yeah, because uh, today, Friday, Malaysia woke up to the news that Queen Elizabeth, Queen of England, died. We on this show concentrate a lot on the English Premier League and and also we've got two Englishmen here um, who are as Des says split on the issue it's uh, I can't believe it anyway it seems so strange but one of the upshots is that the coming weekend's football Bob what is the situation with the fixture list coming up this weekend well uh, almost all sport has been cancelled other sports, but the Premier League being the Premier League uh, might just get, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, an exception. Uh, I think it's to do with uh, overseas contracts, uh, hundreds of millions of pounds. It's always going to go back to money, isn't it? But having said that, I think the chances are that the, the games will be cancelled or postponed. We should say postponed, which although one or two managers will be grateful for a little bit more time on the training ground. The downside is they've got to fit in another fixture into a very, very crowded fixture list. So they won't be jumping up and down. No. And, and also, uh, just let you know, listeners, that this particular episode is pre-recorded because of me, sadly. Sorry about that, folks. And uh, so you will know what the fixture, fixture list will be this weekend, by the time you hear this, and we don't. So it's like the time-space continuum is all messed up. I, I, I personally think it should be a celebration of a life and, you know, sports should go on. You know, I think the crowds will, there should be like, you know, some remembrance at every game and the crowds should, you know, be there. I, that's personally me, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so I want to start though. So today we're going to be talking about Champions League, Europa League, Premier League, yes, but also Malaysian football, quite a lot actually. And so Des, I want to start with you because uh, something quite momentous happened uh, last weekend. Mohun Bagan of India won KL City 3. Des, what happened there? What's it about? What's going on? So if you're in India, you know about Mohun Bagan. You know, they are a massive club capable of generating hundreds of thousand or hundred thousand crowds. Uh, you'll know that they're one of, one of the big teams in India before the implementation of the Indian Super League. And they are now actually, as ATK Mohan began, part of the ISL, the Indian Super League. Uh, so they are a team with, with a rich tradition, uh, great history and on the up. Kuala Lumpur City are um, a ragbag uh, bunch of players who are uh, massively overachieving and uh, an inspirational coach in Boyan Hodak, who are playing to their exact strengths. KL City went to India, to Calcutta, with injury problems and won by three goals to one to win the interzonal semi-final of the AFC Cup. So it's not uncharted territory. Johor Dahl Taksim have already won the AFC Cup in 2015. 
But for a team like Kuala Lumpur City, nowhere near the resources of Johor Darul Taksim. For them to actually be going to Uzbekistan to take on Sadjana in the final in a couple of weeks' time, sorry, in the regional final in a couple of weeks' time, it's, it, it's really, really impressive. But the way they did it mm. was just outstanding. 22% possession. They were basically saying, come on at us. And we know they've got a player called Paolo Josue who's capable of, of the most sublime skill. He scored a goal for the ages. He scored some great goals. Mm. Go and look on YouTube. Go and have a look at the power of his left-footed swerving volley in the, in the 60th minute that gave KL the lead. Then in the 90th minute, 91st minute, Mohan began equalised and we all thought, oh God. So close, so near, yet so far. Mohamedan got an equaliser despite the, despite the best efforts of Azri Ghani, the goalkeeper. But then another Jazue free kick. He did exactly the same against Sabah last week, where he pings the ball into the near post and gets a near post flick on. Last week it was Galafuko and um, Akram Mahinan who scored against Sabah. This week it was Fakrul. Fakrul, who is, is a, a bit bar player, is, is, is heart and soul of Kuala Lumpur football. Fakrul Ayman got his head to the ball, flicked it into the far post. You couldn't believe it. It's, it's a story you cannot make up. Romel Morales then um, uh, nicked a third one in the 97th minute. So goals in 91, 93 and 97 minutes saw Kuala Lumpur City with the most monumental victory. The victory against Johor Darrell Taksim for the Malaysia Cup last season. That was incredible. What they've done this year in carrying the Malaysian flag further than even JDT or deeper into the season even than JDT, is it, it's the stuff of dreams. They're a small club with a tiny budget. They may be in the in the in the Super League, but they are massively, massively overachieving. You can you cannot applaud what they did in India enough. And they're not writing themselves off um, when they go to Uzbekistan. They're second favourites again. But in two weeks' time, I think we will we we could well have a story. Uh, uh, we have a uh, uh, Azran on the Monday show. He's a KL City fan. He's been following them since uh, since well since the beginning, and uh, so he'll be delighted. And we'll probably hear more from him. I wonder if he'll go to Uz- Uzbekistan. Uh, it's a long way to go. Uh, I just want to say one thing: if Boyan Hodak was my manager. If he were, I mean, I'm scared enough of producer Hanif, but if he was the producer of this show, I, I would be so scared. Um, I, I don't think you would be. What he does is he does detail. He, he, he little attention to detail. I, I'll take Akram Mahinan as an example. Akram's a lovely player on the ball, but Boyan tells him just to move literal, literally two or three yards to his right in certain circumstances. And Akram's good enough to listen and understand why. But just those attention to detail moments, half a yard here, half a yard there, sitting back, um, where you hold your line, where you don't hold your line. That's what Boyan Hodak does so well. It's it's his attention to detail. He looks an angry man. He's not an angry man. He can be an angry man, but he's not. But his attention to detail is incredible. I've seen a couple of training sessions he's done, and you're thinking, how petty, how petty. And then you see in the game, "Oh, oh, that's why he's doing it. That's yeah. what he brings. That's what he brings to the table. Uh, BFMs, Boyan Hodak, by the way. Yeah, can I just cut in there? Given his success, don't you think there's a danger that somebody bigger, say a Croatian club, would be after him? Because word Ooh. will get back, won't it? Croatian within Asia. I mean, he's had jobs within Asia. Um, 
That's, he, he's, he's enjoyed phenomenal success. But he? Remember, he was a long time out of the game after success at Kalantan and Johor. He was a while out of the game, getting his pro license, etc. Um, mm. KL City gave him way back into the game. It was a, a, a planned way back into the game. He won the Malaysia Cup in his first year. He's got them through to the zonal finals in, in his second year. So, yes, he, he, he could well be... Um, uh, could well be raising the eyebrows of several chairmen around the region or, as you say, in Europe. Uh, and he's certainly good enough. Certainly good enough. Mm. But let this little romantic uh, adventure carry on, Bob. Let's not spoil it just yet. <laughs> uh, well, you know, let, let's stick with this then. Gogol, I want to ask, want to ask you a question. I, I, I watched this on, on highlights, actually, and I was really impressed by KL City. And there was one thing that caught my well, two things caught my eye. One is that... Uh, the Indian uh, strip was really good. I show <laughs> very nice colours. Um, but the other was, I I kind of felt like just by looking at the players, it looked like the KL City players looked like they were going to win. The looks on their faces, I just felt like the body language from the get go that the in, the Indian team didn't look. Is that a, it's like when England played Germany, and you know that the English players just look like they think they're going to lose. Is that a thing? Do you think? Uh... No, that's not think. That's 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 the job of the manager. That's Boyan's job, you know, to get them mentally prepared on the game, for the game. You know, we can do all the tactics and all the you know whatever coaching and everything, but at the end of the day, it's all in their heads. If the players want to win it as much as they want to win it, then it, you know, fifty to sixty percent of the job is done already. It's I always say, once you're on the pitch, it's all mental. You have to have the will to win. I mean, Des knows what I say to the boys at the Galaxy games half the time. You know, we can only take you so far. Once you're on the pitch, it's in your heads. You are the better team. You, if you believe that, half the battle is won. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's going to segue us after the break neatly into, well, Chelsea, actually. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go to Europe and uh, Champions League and some things happening in Chelsea here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks uh, with Bob, Des and Goglin. And now we are travelling across to Champions League first round action. And the match itself, Dynamo Kiev, sorry, Dynamo Kiev, Dynamo Zagreb won Chelsea nil. Um, well, Bob, you'll tell us what the match was like. But also the, the important thing is that almost immediately after that, uh, the Chelsea board sacked... Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, uh, a very forgettable uh, performance by Chelsea. And uh, it looks like it was the final straw. But apparently the word put out by Chelsea this week is that it had been coming. Uh, There there had been a falling out with uh, Thomas Tuchel, but it still doesn't explain why they spent so much money in the transfer window and then five days after the window closed, sacked the manager. That is, that is the strange part of this. I mean, if they were unhappy with Tuchel, uh, obviously they, they've been unhappy with him for a while, that's what they say, then shouldn't they have got rid of him earlier and got a manager in to choose his own players? I mean, with £270 million to spend. So now, although Graham Potter will be uh, delighted to have some of those players at his disposal. Not all of them would have been his choice, and they would be one or two for sure 
who he would have bought instead of those guys. Anyway, um, that is the that is the weird thing about this. I mean, everyone is comparing it to Roman Abramovich in terms of ruthlessness. Yes, uh, it does smack of that. But Roman Abramovich used to wait usually until the end of the season. And even if his decisions were somewhat harsh or sackings were maybe a little premature, you could see where he was coming from. Whereas this, uh, we can't see it. We didn't see it coming. I mean, we weren't privy to what was going on between uh, Todd Bowley and uh, Thomas Tuchel. Apparently, they didn't get on almost from the word go. But still, why wait this long? Tuchel kept, held the fort, don't forget, during the uh, um, when the British government took over Chelsea. I mean, he was like the last man standing. And when, uh, when the Americans brought in afterwards, everybody left apart from Thomas Tuchel. So he, Bowley had to rely heavily on Tuchel's input. Um, and and this, is, this is how it's handled. It, it is very, very strange timing. That uh, I think that's what no one can really get their heads around. Because uh, Thomas Tuchel spent a billion pounds? A billion ringgit. A billion ring, ring, oh, they, over, they, over a billion ringgit. Oh, they do the tradings in ringgit now. <laughs> well, if only. <laughs> well, it's about one to one at the moment, so yes. <laughs> one to one, if only. Um, uh, well, I, okay, I'll quickly ask you, Des. Um, I have a theory about N'Golo Kante, that the problem is when you have N'Golo Kante, he is so good that when you don't have him in the team, everything collapses, and Thomas Tuchel has been the victim of that. I'm, I'm a massive fan of Kante, and I, I, bizarrely, I semi-agree with you. However, um, last week and for the last few weeks, uh, you've, you've kind of pushed me aside when I've said Thomas Tuchel isn't making these signings. These signings at Chelsea are being made by the chairman. And uh, a word on the street, inside a word I have from journalists in the UK, is that uh, the, the chairman wanted Cristiano Ronaldo, and Tuchel said, not in a million years, over my job almost. And so Bowley said, okay over your job. They didn't get Ronaldo, but he got rid of Tuchel because they, they weren't on the same wavelength. Um, Tuchel had a, a, um, had a veto over the signings. He didn't uh, stop any of the signings, but it wasn't him who was making the moves. So my understanding goes. Um, so, so Chelsea are going in with uh, Potter, who's bril- brilliant, fabulous. We keep asking for British coaches to get these opportunities. So he's, he's, he's got a brilliant opportunity with players he didn't pick. The good news is they're already very good players. It's a bit like Man United last year. Great players. I could never understand how you could not get those um, that squad of players to play better than they did. So Graham Potter's first thing is to, to get these uh, group of players on side because they're terrific players. Fabulous group of players. Well, yeah, it's a step up either way. Uh, hey, Goglin, can I ask you then, Graham Potter, I feel really sorry though for Brighton because I was looking forward to seeing what Brighton were going to do this season. Um. Graham Potter, one, do you think that he can succeed at Chelsea? And two, what's going to happen to Brighton? Um, well, you know, Brighton have started well and all that, but, you know, I've seen this script a few times. All these teams do well in the first beginning, and then, you know, with your resources and the depth you have, it will start dragging you down. It's just not a level playing field anymore. And as you can see, as you have a bright young manager who's bringing you up, and when he'll get picked off, Either your manager gets picked off, your players get picked off by the big six. So it's 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 always going to be that. It's a rat race. It's a rat. Uh, is it not a level playing field? 
So what's that going to happen to Brighton now? I really have no idea. Brighton uh, have started well, but now you know it's the wind being knocked out of their sails by Potter leaving. Yeah, and he probably finds himself in a club where people will still be saying, "And now Chelsea can't score." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean Potter. Potter is a. I mean, I'm surprised they went for Potter, and you know, I thought Bowley would have gone for the Poch kind of uh, signing for manager because you know I think the Americans are more into marketing and you know that kind of uh, realm. So mm. you know, they wanted to sign Ronaldo. What Des said is true. They want to sign Ronaldo just to sell the jerseys. But is this a control thing again in that uh, Potter is probably controllable because he's not a Conte. He's, he's, he's not a Thomas Tuchel. He's not a, not a Pochettino. He's not going to stand up and say, listen, look at my look at my medals, boss. I'm in charge here. Graham Potter's going to have to kowtow, isn't he? Well, yeah, true. To be fair, he is. But, you know, again, this is this is a, this is a win-win for both clubs. You know, it's a great PR uh, look for them because they're hiring a young British manager coming in. Potter is getting a step up. This thing is, I mean, Brighton Fields should be feel hard done by, but I'm surprised with the way that it was done so fast. You know, Brighton didn't put up a fight, nothing. It was, it was basically done a couple of hours of you, if you ask me. I think when Chelsea turn up with an enormous bag of cash, then uh, well, it was only know. ten million, though, right? Yeah, only. But they don't forget um, that that inflated price for Cucurella. Um, mm, is was yeah. is that part of what's been going on? Is has there been discussions in the background? I'm just, I'm just. What I think the story behind this is the speed of how all this unfolded. And you know that's yeah. that 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 is where the story is. But it wasn't fast enough. If they'd done this uh, ten days ago, they could have got Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I think that I think he would have been good for them. I was always thinking, where should Ronaldo go? I think he would actually be of great use to Chelsea. Oh, silence. Um, <laughs> Uh, Des, um, I feel you've been cutting in a lot. I think you're stalling because you know what's coming up next and you're trying <laughs> to just sort of wind down the clock. But we have to talk now about Napoli 4, Liverpool 1. Um, we jump from one crisis club to another. Oh, oh sorry, am I being uh, overly dramatic here? Yes. Yes, you are. It's, it's, a, it's not the best start by any stretch of the imagination for Liverpool. But I try to stay when, I mean, it's, all the hysteria last year when Liverpool are going for the quadruple, I tried to say, let's settle down. Let's just take it one game at a time. Let's see see, see where it all falls at the end of the season. But everyone gets hysterical going too far. And similarly, you make a poorish start. You're, you're, um, you've got injuries, which that's the concerning thing to me, the amount of injuries that they've had. And the fact that having to rely on James Milner and Joe Gomez, who's looking very, very rusty, actually. So my concern is, is, is um, why there were so many injuries. And now where, where Pip Lenders, the assistant coach, could do no wrong last year, he's been criticised for writing his book this year and big headlines. How, how could he be allowed to do that? So, yeah, again, uh, British football and the way that you phrase that, and Ross Yusuf, God rest his soul, used to phrase things, would be hysteria one way, hysteria it's somewhere in the middle. Liverpool haven't made a great start. Remember two years ago when Villa beat them 7-2 and everyone wrote them off and by Christmas they were, they were top of the table. Then they lost six at home. But, uh, <laughs> but um, it, it, let's, just, let's just see where the cookie crumbles um, at, 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 the, at the international break or the next international break. Well, there's an enforced break now. It is confirmed that there are no games tomorrow. Um, over the weekend. So let's let just see where it does. But Liverpool have got to sort their injury issues out and they've got to get Van Dijk leading once again. 
And Des Corkill suddenly advocating for... Uh, I did last season as well, mate. I did no, last season as well. It, in general, that we should find, you know, find the common ground, find the middle ground, you know? About, about my team, about the yeah, other... Yeah, it's about group. Liverpool. Okay, let's go to you, Bob, for a bit of, uh, you know, unbiased opinion here. Well, I mean, you've, you've written about Jurgen Klopp, and I, I, I'm not a, a supporter of Liverpool. I don't, certainly don't hate them. I mean, they're not Chelsea. But I... Um, I I really do like Jurgen Klopp. Can you give me assurances that Jurgen Klopp's not going to get the t- the Tuchel? <laughs> uh, well, I don't have any uh, input, but uh, I I'm sure he won't. Uh, the owners of Liverpool are a different uh, kettle of fish to the owners of Chelsea, and they are very grateful for what Klopp has done for them. They're not uh, trigger happy types. And uh, Klopp is, uh, he's just signed a new contract. Um, he's, it, it's absolutely ridiculous to think in terms of Klopp being in trouble. But it was interesting, the, um, the word he used after the game, uh, talking about reinventing, uh, reinventing Liverpool. We have, have to reinvent ourselves, I think was how he phrased it. And Des mentioned uh, Linda's uh, just now. And I'm, I'm wondering, Linders has been accused of revealing tactics in this book. And I just wonder if Klopp was kind of slapping him down with that use of the word reinvention. Is he saying now we have to change our tactics because they've been revealed? Well, I think opposition coaches who study these, who study every opponent for hours and hours on end, would be well aware of Liverpool's tactics. I don't yeah. think they Not too would, many mysteries, would need really. to read a book by, by uh, Pep Linders. However, I think it might have been a little gentle slapdown from Jurgen Klopp because uh, that has been the headline, you know, as if it's going to be a, ra- a drastic change, you know, um, six or seven players dropped or something. It's not. It's not going to be like that. I mean, he can't press a button to get them back together again, back to back to top form again. But there are about six of the top names all suffering from a, a loss of form. I mean, all, all the big names virtually. Van Dijk to Salah. Salah hasn't scored yet. And there does seem to be something yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, I, I have an image in my head of him wheeling Man United away. and Fulham, but he's not firing. Oh. He's not. Uh, yeah. No, they're not. They're not. I mean, the fullbacks, neither neither of the fullbacks, they used to go bombing down the wing and crossing pinpoint crosses and all that. And we thought with the arrival of uh, Darwin Nunes and his heading ability, Liverpool would be taking advantage of their the fullbacks crossing ability. But it hasn't happened. I don't remember a cross from either Robertson or Alexander-Arnold a landing on Nunes's head yet, or anywhere near for that matter. And so there's, there is something wrong at Liverpool, but I don't think it's un, unfixable. Yeah, well, there's, there, in broad agreement then with Des, but Gogolan, I want to ask you, you uh, the word reinvention just came in there. Pep Guardiola over, over at Man City has, I think, reinvented with, uh, with Haaland. Uh, you know, suddenly, he of all people, long ball, 1970s football, uh, knock it up to the big man at the top, um, I mean, Haaland's a bit better than that, but uh, but there's a reinvention. I, don't, I mean, Klopp, Klopp's is just to do what he does and then just do it better. 
So, I mean, we're speaking reinvention. Yes, I mean, Klopp probably is seeing the signs of a stale squad, but I think it's still early days yet. So, you know, the jury's still out. If you're going to get uh, really bad uh, results, you should do it right now, you know, and get it out of your system and fix whatever's wrong. So, you know, yes, you know, I saw the I saw that highlights of that game and the defensive line was atrocious. Alexander-Arnold. So the trend with Trent, you know, regardless, he knows he's going to start week in, week out. So it doesn't matter what he does. So there's no actually pressure on him. So, you know, he has a bad game. He puts up a few more assists and everything's all hunky-dory again. So, you know, with Joe Gomez, Joe Gomez had a stonker and, you know, Van Dijk is going through one of his... Uh, his these players do it. I mean, they're, they're not machines. Every but, player has... But they look slow. One of the Napoli goals, they just simply walked it in. Yeah, I know. So they looked out, but, you know, this is what Klopp does. He, he sees what's wrong. He fixes it. And when he says reinvention, he's probably going to rejig. Maybe he's going to rejig the 4-3-3. Maybe the 4-3-3 has been found out and it's going to rejig it now with Nunes up front in a point, you know, a 4-2-3-1 kind of thing, you know, mm. to more uh, reinforce the defense. Mm. He has the players. He has the players in his squad for the 4-2-3-1. So let's wait and see. But like I said, it's early days yet. With Pep, it's always good to see how he reinvents the team. And now, we were always saying, I mean, I'm sure we come to Man City in, in a while. So I'll, I'll save it for that. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Well, I, I do hope, because I, I like Jurgen Klopp. I think uh, he's been, he's been quite, he's been, Des, I mean. Magnificent. Magnificent, yeah. Well, the, Premier, the Premier League needs Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, universally popular he is, isn't he? Yeah. That's just as a good human being. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Okay, so that means then Jurgen Klopp's going to get fired in the next week. <laughs> <laughs> you're horrible, you are, Cam Raslan. No, actually, no, it's you're the, despicable. It's no, it's it's Bob Holmes. I've noted actually when he says, "No, it'd be crazy for them to sack Thomas Tuchel." Next thing you know, <laughs> so blame Bob Holmes. And in a moment, we're going to continue with a bit more Champions League, Europa League, and then more Malaysian football here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Des Corkill, Bob Holmes and Goglin. And we're going to do a bit more um, looking back at the Champions League. And uh, I, want, I want to start with you, uh, Goglin, because uh, the thing that struck me about the 0-8-1 Arsenal 2, yes, Arsenal 1, but it... It may it put me in mind thinking that actually the Arsenal squad's a bit thin, and I think they're a bit thin. I'm not sure. And there's a World Cup coming up. It's uh, it's uh, this is the, sorry, this is the Europa League, Europe. where it, it's an extra 100 matches, um, <laughs> and at the end of which I think you get a, a gift token from uh, a well-established <laughs> department store. Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's is it? Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't really see this being a um, a priority, but do you agree with me that there's a bit of a thinness in the Arsenal squad? Well, no, I think they have they have they have they have depth. But just we haven't heard most of the players in there. They have a very young squad, so he Arteta has built a, a a really balanced squad. He's still adding on to it. Back to your question of whether the Europa League. I think what you're trying to know, uh, insinuate is whether they should really prioritize the Europa League. Well, it brings in money. Let's put it this way. It, Does it, it though? Brings, Does yeah. it? Well, it brings in enough money. Yeah. You know, it's not Champions League money, but it's still uh, some money. More than enough. More than an FA Cup run, actually, if you ask me. So, yes, you know, and it gives him a bit time to play out his squad and all that. Of course, he would rather be in the Champions League than the European League. But when it comes down to the critical time in the league, he will have to prioritise. If if Arsenal are in the title race at that time, then I, I admit 
with the World Cup and all that, all most of his players being on World Cup duty, coming back, and then you have the, the January window. So he will have to prioritize. And I, yes, I think the uh, the fans will demand Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Eric, uh, Des, you're a, you're a supporter of a club that often has many different. Well, last season was operating on how many different fronts? Uh, is it fanciful to think that a club can prioritize, or is it just you just go out and do your thing? Um, most clubs uh, these days are saying that the League Cup and the uh, in, in whatever it's called and the FA Cup are the ones where you experiment. I think the Europa League is being perceived as being worth worth worthwhile doing. And Arsenal have reached the final; they've they've got a reasonable tradition when they, when they have played it. If you're going for a European trophy, go, go for it. It's 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 the the second biggest trophy that they will they will compete in. Uh, well, what I will say is that Arteta is um, he's, he's put together a little team. I think there's a bit more depth. Than, than you than you're you're suggesting. I think the young players are a, a, a little bit more experienced. Uh, Saliba coming in at centre back has made a heck of a difference. Um, so that strengthens them defensively. But they've they've got a, a squad. It's not a 25, 26 man squad like Man City, but I think they've got 17 or 18 who could consider themselves first team material when when they're all fit. So um, credit to Arteta, credit to Arsenal. I think that they're doing things. A, a good way, a correct way, and they will be contenders. That's what you've got to do. You've got to make yourself contenders. Then you can tweak and add the monies. But if you're not contenders in the first place, that's where the problem is. And Arsenal weren't contenders for a long time. Now I think they're genuine contenders as their unbeaten record in the league shows and their, um, and their winning start in the Europa League. Okay. Uh, Bob, I want to take you over to another team that uh, could have been a contender. Uh, Manchester United nil, Real Sociedad one. One of the lesser-known Reals. Um, the uh, I don't know. I thought that Manchester United had turned a corner. It was not. It was not a very defi- uh, convincing display. Well, it would be tempting to say uh, this is what happens when you play Maguire and Ronaldo, but uh, that's that's a bit of a cheap shot. Um, but you did it anyway. <laughs> I did it anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ronaldo was denied I was, I was a wondering, goal. I was wondering how long before somebody brought that up. <laughs> you weren't going to, eh? Um, Ronaldo, uh, he, he looked, he looked lively. He had a goal disallowed correctly, but it was uh, he, you know, provided a decent header. Um, and uh, I, I guess he was grateful for the run out. So was Maguire, and I think the penalty decision against United was. Really, one of VAR's classics. Good old uh, VAR. Good old VAR. I've got to give them a mention, Des, just for you. They, I mean, how they could uh, penalise Martinez for that? I mean, he was he was turning away, and what was he supposed to do? Get his arms amputated? Amputated at that point? I mean, absolutely ridiculous. That, so, does anyone know the actual wording of the rules? Um, because I, I believe it's it's straight up. If, if it touches your arm, for whatever reason, in the penalty box, it's penalty. Unless it's a Thursday night on uh, <laughs> with the, <laughs> and the temperature is below such and such a degrees. Okay, I didn't know it, that. It's I a farce. It's, it's, it's a, a farce. Absolute farce. And I told you so. I told you so three years ago. Uh, Des, what can I say? We put in the application to FIFA, and they <laughs> we said, but Des says. And they still yeah, the, listen. The, the frightening thing is that 
it is here. They keep everyone says it's here to stay, and they think it's getting better. But I think on the evidence of the last uh, couple of weeks, I think it might be getting worse, or at least the interpretation of it is. But I mean, you can't blame uh, the referees all the time. It's this system. You cannot decide on things like handball in the penalty area like that. I mean, FIFA thought that technology would be the answer to everything. Well, technology is the answer to a lot of things, but not football. There are certain things in football that are subjective and you'll never know unless you're reading the mind of the player instantaneously. You're never going to get the correct decision. So why bring it in? If it, if it doesn't fix it, why bring it in in the first place? It's caused more controversy than there was before. We never used to argue about decisions as much as this. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, we will allow for our quarterly um, dip into VAR talk. Uh, Gogolin, it's been, it has actually been a bit of a VAR time recently. We didn't talk about it for ages and then suddenly the last week or so. Uh, where, where are you standing right now? I, I think I personally think VAR should have never been introduced. You know, football is you know things like football. We, we talk about these things for ages. After this, this is what memories and experience is all about. This is what we we need to talk about. Jeff Hurst in 1966. We still talk about it. What if VAR was there? Yeah, all no, but that, that would have been Hawkeye, and that wasn't a goal. <laughs> it got one of them wrong in the week as well in the championship. Did they? Hawkeye got one wrong. Are you sure? Positive. Oh, I thought Huddersfield, Huddersfield, um, uh, we're up to a goal. Mm. Okay. Well, Hawkeye, that's only the second mistake in uh, that they've ever made in we, something like 10,000 or more. Only the second mistake we know about, and they promised 100% accuracy. That is not 100% accuracy. Well, I, I think most people would accept their, their record as being uh, decent. It's Whereas Vise, anything but. It cost the team relegation um, when when the goal against Aston Villa uh, went in. It cost the team relegation. It cost the team a hundred million do- uh, pounds. Well, it gave the other team a hundred million pounds. That's all right then, huh? Yeah, swings and roundabouts. Okay, all right. Well, Des, uh, you've already said about VAR, but I don't want you to say any more. Uh, I want to instead. I want to take us to uh, to Scotland, where it was. Um, I thought it was quite an interesting uh, 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 result with um Celtic Celtic nil Real Madrid 3 and Celtic put up a hell of a fight but uh Real Madrid doing what they normally don't do which is starting their Champions League campaign well they should be doing it all the way around Ange Postecoglou is the story for me on this one um what he did before the game Celtic got battered um the 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 third Real Madrid goal by Eden Hazard is literally 2 minutes of possession it's a thing of a glorious, brutal, brutal beauty. But uh, Ange Postecoglou beforehand, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking this fella. Um, somebody said, should you temper the, the enthusiasm of Celtic fans as you come into this big game against Real Madrid? And he said, of course not. Uh, the, football is there to be entertaining. So I want my fans to come in with the maximum hope. If we're unable to deliver, then that's, that's my problem, mine and the team players. But the fans should be coming in absolutely cheering. 
he's hitting exactly the right notes. He's, he's Klopp-esque in what he's done over at, at, at Celtic and Postacoglu. Um, they're playing with, um, with fire. They're off the back of a 4-0 win over Rangers. Um, they had a go at Real Madrid, were, were found to be wanting, but the crowd are, are just absolutely loving him. Um, Celtic gave it a go against a, a really good team. But again, look at, look at the third Real Madrid goal. It is, it is brutally beautiful. Yeah, it's going Gogolin. I mean, you know, Celtic they had gave themselves every advantage. They're they're playing at home in Glasgow. They are they've been doing quite well in Scotland themselves, and they had a plan. Is it possible? You said it's no longer a level playing field. Is it even possible for these lesser teams to possibly beat uh, Real Madrid? No matter what you do tactically, it is possible. It is possible in a cup, but not in a league because in the league. It always evens out. It doesn't matter. It, it won't happen. A Leicester is not going to happen in another in a, in my lifetime. I, I can tell you that much. Yeah, in, but in a cup, that's where the cup. And I was watching that match. I saw the highlights of that match. And Chelsea, I sorry Chelsea. Celtic should have actually put that to bed in the first half. The amount of chances they had, and they just got sucker punched. You know that by uh, counter attacks. And yes, that's what happens when you play against Real Madrid. You don't take your chances in a cup game against Real Madrid. You get hit by sucker uh, counter attacks. Uh, okay. but to answer your question yes in a cup is where you all bets off they go city goes in when you're playing city you play you'd rather play them in the in the champions league than on the in the league so so champions league is a league or, or a cup it's a league champions league is technically a cup it's just called a league because of the tv for tv but, right but when they're doing the the league thing it, it evens up <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean you could lose the first three matches and still qualify correct yeah yeah it's been done newcastle did it once uh, with uh, Craig Bellamy being a hero, I remember. Wow. Okay. Uh, Bob, I'd like you to exercise your football knowledge with um, uh, Ajax 4, Rangers nil. Is this uh, the Ajax? Is this Ajax? I mean, you know, being <laughs> Ajaxy. Uh, it is. I was wondering about them because not only have they lost their manager, uh, they've also sold a bunch of players, half the team practically, bringing in quite a bit of money. And, and yet they can they seem to have a production line where they can slot in new guys who in a year or two's time will also be sold to the big clubs for similar amounts. And on it goes. I mean, it's an exercise in futility, you could say, but you've got to give credit to Ajax, uh, their recruiting system and their and their academy, academy, the academy for producing these guys, and uh, it it doesn't seem to really matter. Big names depart. Uh, Antonio, look at look, it's a British record fee, isn't he? Antonio to Anthony, um, yeah, yeah. Anthony, Anthony. Sorry, Anthony, Anthony to uh, United, yeah, eighty um, odd million, and uh, he looks good to be fair, but they they seem to carry on and they can really batter Rangers who uh, who went all the way in the uh, Europa League last season to the final. So they're not mucks, but uh, Rangers, I think they're, they're not as good as Celtic. They got, they got whacked by Celtic recently and uh, they got whacked by Ajax. So Rangers are not quite there, but uh, all credit to Ajax. Uh, Johan Cruyff would be proud of them. Um, yeah, I, but do you think they can win 
I mean, just actually the same question almost that I asked Oglin earlier. I mean, level playing fields and all that. Sure, they got the great academy and all that. But well, they- their, their big chance was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? When uh, yes. Spurs turned it around. Oh, they had that well. miraculous um, oh. turnaround in the in the semi-final. And then they turned um, around again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a four-point turn. Had Ajax got to the final and played Liverpool, it would have been very, very interesting. I think it would have been a better final than it, than we had because of that very early penalty that Liverpool got. Spurs never really turned up after that. But Ajax, I think, would have given Liverpool a better game than Spurs, certainly. And that would have been their big chance uh, to win the thing. Well, we'll, we'll find out on Tuesday. Liverpool Ajax on Tuesday. Ooh. Wow. So the consensus is that uh, the, the small clubs can't do it. There'll never be another Nottingham Forest winning, I guess, is what we're saying. And therefore, on the evidence of uh, this last week, who's going to win? Uh, Des? It's your big boys. It's Bayern Munich who look um, significantly stronger with Sadio Mane. So if, if, if you're going back to Liverpool, I think the loss of Mane is just huge because he led the press, scored the goals, scored the clutch goals, and he's gone into Bayern Munich. And it's like um, he's been part of the furniture. Um, so he's replaced Lewandowski. The team look like they're, they're reinvigorated. I think Bayern are looking incredibly strong. And Real Madrid, um, even if they are full of 90-year-old players, <laughs> as Modric seems to be getting, they, they, they just look so classy. But uh, no, I, I, I'm looking at Bayern Munich as, as uh, being incredibly strong this year. And Manchester City under Haaland. Haaland has made such a difference. Yeah, I yeah. had hoped he'd, become, he'd make them one-dimensional. He's one-dimension is that he's putting the ball in the back of the net from six yards out <laughs> two, two times a game. It's a, great, it's a great one dimension to have. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Gogolin, um, uh, yeah, which team's going to meet uh, Real Madrid in the final? I should, I should word it. Yes, who's going to meet Real Madrid in the final? No, I think, I think still, I, I, I'm hoping it's going to be City's year this year. You know, with, with Haaland, they've added a new dimension. We've always spoke, I mean, I wanted to speak about City earlier. City play the ball, play some beautiful football, the possession football, the way that, they, I mean, it's, it's a beauty to watch. But their finishing has always been suspect. And we've always said on this show that, you know, what happens if they really get an out-and-out striker? What will happen to City then? They have got the out-and-out striker now, if you ask me, in Haaland. He's the new new uh, the new the type of uh, striker that they need for something like that. They, they, will, they will play the ball down. They'll play you to death in possession and then hit you with a long ball straight to Haaland. And that's it. Game over. Uh, Bob, very quickly, uh, who... who? City, I think I think uh, Pep will get it right this time. No mm. more overthinking, and I agree with the guys. Haaland has made the difference. Yeah, and he could be on fifty goals uh, by that point of the season. <laughs> In all competitions, yeah. <laughs> by Christmas, by the World Cup, he'll be on fifty. Yeah. Uh, okay, and we uh, it, we're going to take a break now. But in part four, we're going to do Malaysian football and some uh, wrapping up of uh, Premier League here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Bob, Des and Goglin. And Goglin, I'll ask you. Now, the Premier League, it looks like it's going to be, it's, it's going to be um, official that uh, the matches won't be happening this weekend. But one of the matches that would have been happening, and I, re- I really, I've just got to bring this one up now that you're here. It was going to be Leicester versus Aston Villa. This is two clubs. In, uh, well, I think in the case of Leicester, absolute crisis, but a spot of bother over at Aston Villa. It, we've had a culling of managers recently that have taken me by surprise. 
and we could be seeing more. It, of these two managers, uh, Stephen Gerrard and uh, Brendan Rodgers, uh, who needs the victory here? Who, who, which manager is more scared? Well, uh, I think Brendan Rodgers is the one who needs the victory more right now. I think Gerrard's still got another two games. If he loses, he's got the backing of uh, the board and everything. So I don't think they'll get rid of Gerrard yet. Right. But the, the, the scenario has changed a lot now with the Tuchel sacking and that Tuchel's available and all that. So if Leicester are casting bigger expersions right now, Brandon Rogers better watch out because, you know, Tuchel's available and if the, the owners start looking, you know, start spending, never know. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, Bob, I mean, yeah, the, the, the managerial merry-go-round, who, one who's for the chop, and yeah, you now throw in Thomas Tuchel, and no one ever talks about Sam Allardyce anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's just... <laughs> he'll pop waiting up. by the phone, is big yes, Sam. Yes, he'll, he'll pop up, don't worry. Yeah. Um, I'd say um, th- this is a 50-50 situation, isn't it? We don't know what the villa owners are like, really. Uh, whereas we know a little bit about the uh, Leicester owners or the owner, the son of the um, the chap that uh, sadly died in the helicopter crash. I can't remember his name. I can't pronounce it either. Um, no, but, no one's uh, putting up their hands. <laughs> no, no one's volunteering. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we know who we're talking about. Um, yeah. They've been model owners, um, but they've ha- they've made this decision, which I. Uh, referred to last week about putting infrastructure before the team and although it may be admirable to have a fantastic training ground and increase the capacity you don't want to slip down the through the trapdoor of the uh, Premier League back into the championship while you're doing it and I say they are in danger of doing that if they're not careful and I think Brendan Rodgers is probably the guy can get them out of it. I don't think he's lost the dressing room. Uh, he um, He's brought on a lot of these players, uh, many of whom are his signings. They've got some young players in there, and as well as old uh, loyalists like Vardy, for example. I think they're good enough to get out of this. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, but Villa, uh, I don't know, because we... They're unknown quantities. Uh, Gogs probably knows them best, but they've not really been tested. They've only sacked uh, Dean Smith to bring in Steven Gerrard up to now. And many people consider that harsh as if they were, uh, you know, influenced by the um, the name of Gerrard, the, the celebrity manager. It seemed a bit harsh on Dean Smith at the time. And it's not been a great success. So we don't know how they'll react. Where is Dean Smith now? Norwich. Norwich. Oh, okay. Uh, Des, ask you the same question, which is, um, you were telling us the other day that uh, on in Merseyside, on Merseyside, uh, Frank Lampard's actually really quite popular. And you think he's very secure there. So in terms of the next next manager to get the sack, you would take him off the table, I assume? And- yes, I would. I think Everton, Everton fans are really appreciative of what, of what, they're, what they're seeing. And you saw in the derby, it's, it, it's a completely different Everton. Um, they they took the game to Liverpool. Uh, the, the Connor Cody disallowed goal for by VAR. Perfectly good VAR. I'm well well with it for that. <laughs> but, but for that Vardy goal, uh, sorry for the Connor Cody goal, they 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 actually played Liverpool really well. And there's something decent going on at, at Everton, and Lampard's got a lot to do with that. 
Um, Stephen Gerrard, I know when, when he first went in, um, we, a lot of people were excited. Gogs wasn't. Uh, Gogs, Gogs always had a, a raised eyebrow and he, he worried about it. And I, I think he might be right. He did really well in Rangers, did Stephen Gerrard. Um, but he's young. He's young. Uh, players, um, coaches like players uh, need to learn how to cope with things when things go wrong. And he's got a good group of players, Stephen Gerrard. Uh, they are a good squad of players and he's been able to add to them. Um, uh, maybe the front two of Ings and Watkins, uh, so Ings is get, getting on just a little bit and isn't as dynamic perhaps he, he once was, but the players should be good enough to get um, them, them out of it. So then you look at the coach and is he doing, is he getting enough out of the team? I, I wouldn't panic just yet, but um, if, if Villa's bad form continues for another, what, 10, 12 games, then I think they might panic. Uh-huh. Well, back to what you're saying, the coaching and everything, you know, he was relying, he, he admittedly relied on Peel, Michael Beal. Oh, yeah, Michael Beal, who went yes. to Blackpool, who were doing well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it went to Rangers, right? Uh, sorry, Rangers. No. Yeah, I thought you were... Was, it went north anyway, that's all we need to <laughs> It just disappears into mist when you get past a certain point. Well, so yeah, so now he's relying on a new guy and, you know, it's it, I, I again, I, my jury's out and if two shows available, why not? Well, uh, you know, who's going to take over at Brighton? Wouldn't it be wonderful if it was a straight swap? Tuchel. Tuchel went there. <laughs> I think it'd be great. Yeah, so we, we take Tuchel, Stevie G goes to Brighton. Everybody wins. <laughs> Brighton okay. will have somebody lined up. They're a very organised club. They'll, yeah. they, uh, Potter had a, a clause in his contract whereby if anybody came sniffing, he could uh, talk to them. That's why they didn't... Um, put up any resistance to it. True, true. I, I so, kind of figured there was a clause. There's a yeah. £10 million pound, uh, buyout, doesn't it? Clause. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think well, there's add-ons. I think £10 million is the buyout clause, but I think there's some there's personal... This thing. But there's Ad- Adam Lalana is supposed to be taking care of the team, is it? Well, they're coaching staff. Um, Adam Lalana, yeah. Might have yeah. some input, yeah. Somebody may have accidentally put Ringgit Malaysia, then it would have been <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> it's a lot cheaper <laughs> than we thought. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's... Uh, that's the Champions League, Europa League, and uh, we've touched upon the Premier League, which is probably, you all know this better than us, uh, probably going to be uh, delayed because of the death of Queen Elizabeth. And uh, But there's a lot is happening in Malaysian football. Please tell. Uh, Malaysia FA Cup final this weekend. Um, if you're around the Bukit Jalil area, avoid it unless you've got tickets for either the concert that's going on there or the Cup final. There'll be 90,000 people uh, 40 or 50,000 heading uh, from the north from Trungano, another 40 or 50 heading up south from Johor. It'll be a festive occasion and potentially a really good game of football because if there's one team who know how to play against Johor Darrell Taksim, it's Trungano. They, they, they won't be scared of them. They've lost to them a couple of times this year, but they were good, close, competitive matches. Johor generally have blown teams away, but we saw a new Trungano last week against Malacca where they beat uh, Malacca by five goals to nil. And they they really did look up for it. Uh, Kipre Cheche looked uh, back to his best. Kapar Sherman looked back to his best. Um, uh, little Faiz Nasir was darting in and around. And I think they might be able to trouble Johor, who were held to a one-all draw by Solango last weekend and might still be um, a, a little bit chastened by what happened to them in the AFC Champions League, where um, the, the previously impregnable Johor aura was, was absolutely demolished by Urawa's wonderful display. So I think this one is, is a potentially big game. Also for Tringano, 
the last time they played in um, in a cup final was the Malaysia Cup final against Perak, the most heartbreaking of losses. They led in the 90th minute and were pulled back by an equaliser. This was in the 2018 Malaysia Cup final. And they led in the last minute of extra time, conceded an own goal. They lost on penalties. So I think their fans are owed a little bit of redemption by uh, Bukit Jalil. But this will be a really, really good game of football. And do not count Trangano out of this one. Uh, Gogolin, did you say you're going to the match? Uh, yes, I am. And and who are you supporting? Uh, I was supporting JDT actually. Uh, okay, is that just for now, or is that like it? It you know you you kiss the badge and all that kind of oh, thing. No, 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 no. I was born in Malacca, mate. <laughs> yeah, so I thought. Okay, uh, Glory Hunter. Uh, <laughs> Hands up! <laughs> I think I think that is the definition, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob, I think Bob, you and I will be avoiding the traffic jams, but uh, I've been told time and time again that I must go to a cup final. Des, I mean, the, and and Gogland, these are these are great events. These are these are these are events that you know memories that uh, last a lifetime, and I'm the reason I go for all this is so I can go take take my son together with me, and he can enjoy it. I used to just to indulge a bit. I used to you know go to Stadium Merdeka and watch all the games in uh, you know Malaysia, Singapore. When Malaysia, I mean Singapore was in the league, and they used to play Slango, watching Abbasad in the field with Fundy and everything. So it was quite fun. It'll be spine chilling, Cam. Honestly, I, I I've watched football all over the world. And it is spine chilling what happens when uh, when the big crowds come together. At the end, one half disappears and the other celebrate. But the 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 the, the, the riot of colour and noise before that before the match and during the match something to absolutely behold as 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 it's almost art. It's beautiful, just beautiful. And the game will be a good game as well. Yeah. Are you are you doing commentary on this? No commentary, sadly. Uh, I don't get as many Malaysia games these days. But um, no commentary. But I will be there. I bought myself a ticket. Uh, strictly neutral. Yeah, Bob, you going? Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> well, th- his queen has died. And, well, <laughs> That's sorry, not the too reason. Soon. Sorry, That's not the reason. I'm still hoping that there could be a game on Monday night. Actually, whether yeah, this I, uh, do you think so? Has, that would be Leeds, well, Nottingham Forest. Yes. Um, I. I mean, they may have just decided to uh, postpone the whole program. I think, it, I think it would be all or nothing, really. I think sure. so, because it would be an advantage to uh, the two that did get to play uh, because it means that they, they've played and they haven't got to fit in a, a fixture in a crowded fixture list. But I, I think it, it'll it probably be postponed. And then Nottingham Forest would leap up the uh, the the uh, league table <laughs> to... Hey, what happened in the Bournemouth game, Bob? What was that all about? Yeah, uh, absolute collapse. It's got me worried now that um, I thought... Uh, half time, I thought we'd uh, got the points in the bag and we were looking at uh, mid-table position with seven points already for the season, but counted the chickens too soon. Uh, abject collapse. Didn't see that coming. The only oh. good thing is that this break, assuming it is it was already a longer break than anybody else has had because they're playing Monday night, hmm. but uh, maybe Steve Cooper has been able to sort something out on the training ground. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, they've got 22 players now. They've they've signed another player after the window. <laughs> They're still at it. They signed Serge Aurier. Did they even know they've done it, or is it just an they instinct can, now? They can do it because uh, so they got really? him because he's uh, a free agent. You can still sign uh, yeah. free agents after the window. So 22 players have come in, 22 have gone out. So quite a bit of sorting to do on the training ground. 
Yeah. Well, Bob, you'll always have those two European Cups. Uh, <laughs> That's concerns. all, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's more than most. But so that brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, and only remains me now to thank uh, Des Corkill. Look out for the Cup final and the abiding memory of the Queen handing over the World Cup to Bobby Moore as he wiped his hands. In 1966. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob Holmes, you were there. I was there. I remember. Certainly remember. I can see it now. Wiped his hand on his shorts before accepting the trophy. The Jules Rimet trophy then. A smaller uh-huh. version of, the, of this one. Just before it got stolen. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> found by a dog. Yes. And uh, Gogolin, uh, please, I uh, hope you enjoy the, uh, the cup final. I will, I will, you know. Please look out for me in the cup final and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> see if the camera zooms in on you. Uh, okay, and uh, well, uh, you know, commiserations, I guess, to people of uh, the death of the Queen and uh, join us on Monday uh, for another edition of Just for Kicks here on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.